Aloha and welcome to the special edition of Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. In this special series of conversations, we will be journeying with renowned author and teacher Nikki Scully into the shamanic mysteries of ancient Egypt. Conversations is sponsored by HealthMasterySystems.com, Holistic Products for Body, Mind, and Soul, and PurePlanEssentials.com, Organic Aromatherapy. Please visit these websites today. Be sure to visit the iTunes store and subscribe for the complete lineup of shows on Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. Nikki Scully has been teaching healing, shamanic arts, and the Egyptian mysteries since 1983. In the late 1980s, Nikki founded Shamanic Journeys and is internationally recognized as the foremost leader and guide for spiritual pilgrimages to Egypt. Nikki is the author of the Anubis Oracle, A Journey into the Shamanic Mysteries of Egypt, book and card deck, and co-author of Shamanic Mysteries of Egypt, Awakening the Healing Power of the Heart. Nikki's audio course, Becoming an Oracle, has just been released by Sounds True. To learn more and register for our upcoming shamanic tour in Egypt, led by Nikki Scully, this November 6 to 21, 2009, please visit shamanicjourneys.com. That's shamanicjourneys.com. Or call 1-800-937-2991. That's 1-800-937-2991. Today, Nikki will be talking about the mysteries of Isis and Osiris. Please welcome to the show my very special guest, Nikki Scully. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, KG. I love talking with you. Well, I love talking with you, too. The Egyptian Mysteries of Isis and Osiris is one of the most famous of all time and has been retold since the ancient days of Egypt. Why is this, Nikki? What significance does the story of Isis and Osiris have for us? today well um, there's really no mystery as to why it's such an important legend because it has an appeal for everyone it is the it's the story of love and loss and redemption and um, regeneration um it's it, the one of the most interesting things about this story that many people don't realize unless they make a an in-depth study of of the myth of Isis and Osiris is it it's the story that precedes the story of uh Mary Joseph and Jesus mm. It is the um, divine union and conception uh, that gives birth to the divine ruler. And uh, it is, I believe that it may have been preceded itself by a more ancient mythology I don't know the full story of Inanna, but I understand mm-hmm. there are some similarities in the ancient Sumerian mythology. But generationally, it's very clear that uh, the story of Isis and Osiris uh, and their uh, divine son Horus uh, is very, very 
similar to the Christian story of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the way that the story uh, begins, if you go back far enough, it begins with the pregnancy of the goddess Newt, the mm-hmm. sky goddess, who is in loving embrace with the planet Earth in the form of the sky god, uh, of the Earth god, the green, the original green man, Jeb. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is the function of the atmosphere, the air, and the mist that are their parents, Tefnut and Shu, to keep them separated. Well, I'm not... Uh, at, at some point, they came together in a way that Newt conceived and began to gestate in her womb the five gods, uh, the five Netaru that included Osiris, Set, Isis, Nephthys, and the elder Horus. Mm-hmm. And at the time that she conceived and became pregnant, according to the legend, um, Ra, who was the ruling deity of our solar system, was, according to the legend, supposedly very jealous at the idea of uh, other gods coming and his felt that his rulership was being uh, compromised through this pregnancy. In truth, I think that's a distortion mm-hmm. in the way the myth has come down to it. As I've been led to understand it in my own um, more direct research, Ra, with his all-seeing eye, looked down upon the planet and realized that it was it was not time. The time was not right. The planet could not sustain life and consciousness at the level that would be required. Mm-hmm. And so what in the legend is said as not in my time, I believe was the time is not right. Mm-hmm. In any event, Thoth and his... Um, and one of the deities that he's very closely connected to, Kansu, another god of the moon. Um, uh, <clears throat> as they say in the legend, gambled or gambled with Ra, some say. Um, what, again, there's so many interpretations of what happened. What I believe happened, what I've come to uh, comprehend, is that Thoth and Kansu played a game similar to drafts, which was essentially going back to the drafting table to reconfigure how this conception was going to uh, be carried to term. 
and it involved perhaps objects or cards like uh, a game of chess or, or go or uh, senet, the ancient Egyptian game, or what has come down as draughts. Um, and it was an oracular pursuit to find the right timing. And what they were able to do is, uh, and the legend would say, they won five days outside of time mm -hmm. in which this birth could take place mm -hmm. or these births. Mm -hmm. These five days are called the epigominal days. And uh, at, at the time when this went down, there were only 360 days in the Egyptian calendar. And so with the addition of these five days, we came closer to our uh, current 365-day calendar. And in those five days, each of the five gods that were developing in Newt's womb were able to be born. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is a celebration for each of those days in ancient Egypt. The, the five epigominal days are really important. And during the time that they were in the womb, they were in there so long that Isis and Isis were, well, all five of the siblings developed within the womb. And Isis and Osiris fell in love in the womb and were bonded and married before they were ever born onto this planet. Um, Set, the uh, brother of Osiris that later murdered him, was very impatient and was said to have speared his mother's side to make a quick exit when it was his time to come out. And of the elder Horus, that he never really fully incarnated. And so he is the elder hawk god that ranges the sky from horizon to horizon <laughs> and um, when these siblings were born uh, Isis and Osiris were already wed and they were given the Greenlands and the lands to the north of the Delta region uh, which were very fertile and Set was uh, married to Nephthys, and they were given the lands of the south and the desert, what were called the red lands. The north was, were called the black lands the, along the river. And Set was said to have had a voracious appetite, and he would eat his lettuce plants whole, seeds and all, and so eventually nothing would grow, and he was, you know, was a hunter, and he was the god of the, he was a desert god and god of storms and of chaos, and very powerful and very important. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
was said to have been barren. And Nephthys, uh, and Nephthys and Isis were very close as mm-hmm. sisters. Mm-hmm. And Nephthys would emulate her sister Isis and would sometimes even wear the same scent or the same clothes. And one time when uh, Isis, who was out teaching, she spent a lot of time away from home. She was a midwife. She taught people weaving and uh, many other arts. And so one time when she was away, uh, Nephthys was in the garden, and according to the legend, which I have a hard time believing these legends, because they have come down basically from word of mouth down through millennia um, and various um, belief systems and patriarchies that might have affected how it was looked at. But according to one version of the myth, um, Nephthys was in the garden and Osiris thought it was Isis and so they had they made love and uh, Nephthys conceived Anubis mm-hmm. and now being the wife of Set who was perhaps barren or who would for whatever reason not take kindly to her having a child with his brother Osiris, she kept it secret. And when the time came, she delivered her uh, child, Anubis, in the desert and abandoned him there. Mm. And Isis heard somehow got wind of what was going on and she went and retrieved Anubis Mm -hmm. and raised him as her own. And so our beloved Anubis uh, heart shaman uh, underworld uh, psychopomp Anubis is the son of Osiris and Nephthys and bears the attributes of both and including the attributes of Isis, the mother that raised him and his uncle Set, because they were all of the same family. And he... uh, I just find it interesting that people can know about the Isis and Osiris mysteries for a long time before they encounter that that piece of information which may or may not have to do with why Set chose to slay his brother Osiris. Mm -hmm. Uh, There appears to not have been any jealousy between the sisters. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, one reads different things about the, the jealousy that drove Set 
to kill Osiris, um, mostly about him being jealous of Osiris's lands and popularity and just he represented the enlightened he the enlightened ruler who really had uh not only a wonderful command of his realm but was beloved by mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. and so it came to that um there was a time when Isis again was away and Osiris had a party and invited his brother who had been building uh, a creating a gift for his brother in the form of a bejeweled and exquisite coffin that he built exactly to the dimensions of Osiris. Mm -hmm. So he showed up at Osiris's party with uh, this gift, this beautiful sarcophagus, and he was joined by, you know, his friends that had come with him, and he made a great display of this beautiful coffin and said he wanted it to be a gift of whoever it should fit perfectly. And so all the guests got into the coffin, sort of like Cinderella in her slipper. And when Osiris finally climbed into the coffin, well, of course, it fit him perfectly. And suddenly, Seth's henchmen rose up and they closed down the coffin and they nailed it shut. They secured it and they hauled it down to the river and they launched it. And the current picked it up and carried it away. And when Isis returned and discovered what happened, she went into incredible grief, tearing out her hair. Her clothes became like rags. She was, you know, you would look upon this, uh, this incredibly exquisite goddess woman and just see an almost deranged, uh, woman torn in her grief and wailing and just everywhere she went just crying saying has anyone seen my husband has anyone seen Osiris and nobody knew what happened to Osiris and finally one day she was down by the river and there were some children and they were playing with you know toys that were made into like dolls and a little coffin and they were kind of reenacting this uh, story of the coffin being brought down to the river and so she asked have, have you seen my husband and they indicated that if he was in that coffin that it followed the course of the river and so she went on a uh, on the odyssey of trying to find her husband and it took her all the way to Byblos which I believe is uh, Lebanon mm -hmm. and to an isle there that was uh, ruled by a king and queen who had uh, 
found this beautiful tree. I can't remember if it's a tamarisk tree or sycamore. And I, I can't remember which kind of tree it was. But what had happened is the the coffin had come aground, mm-hmm. and this tree had grown up around it. And it was such a fine tree that they took the tree to be the pillar of their palace. And when Isis arrived at Byblos, she was pretty much still a grieving wreck, (laughs) a shadow of herself. Mm -hmm. And she went down to get some water at the river and try and figure out what to do. And the women who were there, because, of course, all the women went to the well, uh, at this well where Isis had come, noticed that the children seemed to be very attracted to this newcomer. And despite her straggled hair and, and her this deep sadness that she carried, there was this emanation that caused the women to uh, tell the queen that perhaps this new arrival might be a good governess for their young sons. And so Isis was invited to the temple to uh, take care of the children of the queen of Byblos. And there she recognized, she felt, she knew that uh, Osiris was in his coffin encapsulated in the pillar. Mm -hmm. So every night while the, the, the people of the palace slept, she would turn herself into a kite and mm-hmm. fly around the pillar keening mm-hmm. and calling out to her dead husband. Well, the queen, she also, she felt tremendous empathy for this queen and did not want her to experience the grief and loss that Isis felt. So she... Um, created some magic and was entered into a process of putting the queen's son into a fire each night. I don't remember the exact number of nights in the ritual, but it was the last night before the child would become immortal, thus sparing the mother from the grief that Isis was experiencing, that while the child was in the fire, Isis, as the kite, was keening around the pillar, and I guess she got a little loud, Mm -hmm. and it woke the queen, and the queen came out to see what was going on and discovered her child in the fire, yanked the child out of the fire, destroying the spell, breaking the spell, and Isis returned to her human form and then explained, had to tell 
the queen who she was and what she had been doing. Mm. Well, the queen was uh, so honored to have Isis in her home that she agreed to take down the pillar and cut out the coffin and return it to Isis so that she could take her husband home. Mm. Um, so Isis returned to Egypt. Now, if we wanted to make this a two-parter, this would be a good place to stop. I'm not sure how long that we've been doing this. What's your <laughs> recommendation? Yes. Oh, I'm. I'm. I'm just so thoroughly. I've heard the the myth of Isis and Osiris, but never to this much detail. And it's just so rich. I'm enjoying it so much. Um, my thought is maybe uh, to to just let's stop the story here and let our listeners know something about what the interpretation, some of the things that you've already touched on, what they represent for in our own psyche and evolution of consciousness. You know, what for, sure. for both the ISIS and this. Osiris. And then we'll do part two next time, and That'd maybe there'll be a part three. Great. Um, just depends on how the story chooses to unfold. Okay. Uh, I love this story. When we're in Egypt, we have a gracious amount of time at Isis's temple at Philae, so I always like to choose a, a, a shady spot and spend about 45 minutes getting people to feel the story right there at Isis' mm -hmm. temple. I think it takes them to a, a much deeper understanding of what is behind the mysteries of Egypt, what, what it's based on, the tremendous love of Isis primarily, which is the love that I believe is behind the entire experiment of consciousness on planet Earth, of mm -hmm. which every one of us is a part. Mm -hmm. And I think as we study and delve into the story of Isis and Osiris and the myths that surround it, and also um, the life on planet Earth, we not only see why it's such a popular myth, but we can begin to understand how love works mm -hmm. and how important it is and how it is the motivating force for all things of beauty on this planet. Mm -hmm. And Isis in the first times, they say that there, that Isis and Osiris may have actually lived on this planet in what they call the Zeptepi, or the first times, mm -hmm. and that that was that they represent enlightened rulership mm -hmm. in its most. Um, mm, 
memorable and I don't know how long that time lasted but that golden illuminated age of the enlightened ruler is what's supposed to have been uh, what the pharaonic times were about Mm. and if the pharaohs were truly initiated um then they had that direct access to divinity and the help and support of the Nehru, the mm-hmm. family of the pantheon of Egypt, in sustaining mm-hmm. an enlightened rule and a golden yes. age. Yes. And it's yes. only when those ties are broken that uh, corruption happens and the uh, subsequent decline mm-hmm. of civilization that follows corruption. Mm-hmm. And so I think first and foremost, the, this part of the Isis Osiris mystery is really about uh, the, the potential of living with divinity in an enlightened state of being, mm-hmm. in an enlightened community, mm-hmm. in an enlightened world. Mm-hmm. And so it always reminds us that that is our inherent potential, and that dream is still being held for us. Mm-hmm. And Isis's function in that is as the one who... Um, orchestrates it almost like the uh, the conductor of an orchestra who mm-hmm. knows when to call on the various instrumentations to create the symphony. Mm-hmm. And she's you can also think of her as a geneticist. Knows how to put the pieces together to create the potential for enlightened being mm-hmm. to synthesize all the all the different aspects you know human nature is you know there are so many different aspects to human nature that you know not to disown any of them but to integrate them all seamlessly you know so and that, appropriately and appropriately and with love yes most of all with that balm of love which is very healing that's the the one thing that is absolutely consistent with ISIS in mm-hmm. every aspect is there is no punitive, uh, there's nothing punitive in her nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she seems she, very open and receptive and being like a safe container for, you know, just this acceptance of what is. She's that voice within us that is always encouraging. Mm-hmm. And merciful. And merciful. And so, um, and yet, with all the capacity for feeling the pain and the loss mm-hmm. and the sorrow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yet her mm-hmm. natural state is one of pure joy and ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. in a sense, she is continuously creating 
all that we see and know around us. Mm-hmm. And that is her natural inclination. Well, it's who she is. Yeah, it's who she is. Yes. Now yes. we're getting an airplane and all kinds of stuff. It's the noise. I'm I'm not hearing anything. You're, You're not fine hearing anything. You're no. just first part to the story of Isis and Osiris, which is really a background to the part of the story that people are most familiar with. Yes. Yes. So let's close. Uh, to learn more and register for our upcoming shamanic tour in Egypt, led by Nikki Scully this November 6 to 21, 2009, please visit shamanicjourneys.com. That's shamanicjourneys.com or call 1-800-937-2991. That's 1-800-937-2991. Have a beautiful day, everyone. A warm mahalo. Thanks for joining us. See you in two weeks when we'll be journeying further into the shamanic mysteries of ancient Egypt and the mysteries of uh, Isis and Osiris. Thanks again, Nikki. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure for me too.